y'all, and welcome to another episode of Worldly Church Girl. It's your girl, your host, Lillian Harshaw. On today's show, I have a pastor, author, and advocate who's taken his failures, betrayals, and his mistakes to motivate his community. It gives me honor to introduce to you Pastor Matthew E. Bradby. Are you working for you in your office at home? I'm in my office at home. You know, I'm blessed okay. to be self-employed entrepreneur. And, you know, I, even when I'm asleep, I'm making a couple of dollars. So I thank the Lord. Come on now. Won't he do it? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so glad that you are here today. And thank you so much for, for saying yes. And I'm, you really didn't hesitate. Really? Well, it, which, which I, I'm really thankful and grateful for that. Thank you. You're welcome. We're going to dive in. You have a pretty long um, resume, if you will. So oh, I, can break it, I can break it down for you. Uh, <laughs> I can tell you, look, born and raised in Baltimore, drug dealer in a drug gang, raised right, decided to go wrong, prodigal son, went through an mm-hmm. OD, I, I OD'd, heard God's voice, said, God, can you help me? He said, yeah, but you got to get it. You, you got to make a choice. Made that choice. Started worshiping God you know, uh, military, uh, divorce multiple times. I've been through the gauntlet in life. And in a nutshell, there was a scripture to ever voice who I am. It would be, um, I would say, it was good that I was afflicted because in my pain, I was able to help so many as a leader. Uh, one of the problems we got, we got so many leaders and they are phenomenal men and women of God, but they ain't been there. So it's not, it's, yeah. you, know, you can tell, you can tell me that God is good, but when I can show you what he's done for me, so we've been through everything from bad relationships. My son was abducted, um, mm. lost jobs. Yeah, we've been through it. We've been through it. Um, and then my wife said, you know, our monitor right now is still standing. You know what? I'm glad you even said that because there are some people who've been saved, quote unquote, all their life. Mm-hmm. And then they'll tell you the world ain't got nothing out there for you. But it's like, you never really experienced the world. So how can you even preach on that? And I I understand you can from your perspective, but for someone who's fresh walking in the door from the streets, they're going to be like, well, how do you know that the world ain't got anything out there? Because the world got everything out there. That's why everybody want to stay out there. Well, one of the things I talk to ministers, and oftentimes I've been blessed in over 20-something years to be able to help ministers ministers, and help them when they, you know, have marital infidelities and issues with character because they haven't been exposed to it. And I was out there, and I wasn't Nino Brown, but I sold enough drugs to always keep five, six grand in my pocket. You know, when they haven't had that exposure, the enemy knows what you like. And in due season, when you get to that high plateau, he's going to bring what it's like. And a lot of people who never had fame, a lot of people who never been um, in the in the in the to do, that pressure hits them, and the enemy knows exactly how to hit you because he's not going to send you what you don't want. He's going to send you exactly what you want. The counterfeit always come before the promise. And because I've been there, done that, I have falls. You know, I said, I got the fall, I got the teacher, and, and I've been <laughs> redeemed. I'm able to talk yeah. to them one-on-one, non-judgmental, because I've done it, from drugs to robberies and all kinds of stuff, where I, I'm not pressed with somebody telling me why I cheated on my wife. No, I never cheated on my wife, but, you know, again, my sins are no better than yours, you know? Right. And my job, the Bible says, don't, you know, it's not about gossiping about somebody falling. It says those who are strong restored it. And my job mm-hmm. is restoration, and it's a process. So, you know, I'm blessed to be able to help people to fall, get back up. Speaking of um, your 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 childhood and growing up, you come from a long, long, long line of ministers and men and women in the ministry. What was your childhood like growing up as a as a PK? You know, the funny thing is, like, my, my dad, my mom didn't get into ministry really until, like, 88, 89. But mm-hmm. growing up, I had an Aunt Anne, and she was a minister, and her husband, 
um, I used to hang with her, so I would go to her pastor's house and, you know, I'd be snooping, playing with my toys, but hearing, and he was a great ministry inspiration of Pastor Bishop Leonard. He taught me how to pray. He let me pray in the church at a young age, four or five years old. He trained me up in the way I should go. So I was always around ministers, but I was allowed to live a life. It wasn't like, you know, we just stuck with going to church and this, this, and this. It's so stringent. We were allowed to watch movies, listen to music, do the Michael Jackson when the company come over and all that stuff like that. So I don't mm -hmm. have them hard stories where the family just locked in. Uh, we went to church. We loved church. We respected God. We tithe. We did offerings, but we lived. Uh, so growing up in East Baltimore, man, it was great because, you know, all my friends and family, a lot of people went to the same church. And um, it was cool. It was cool. I was raised the right way. I knew the Ten Commandments before I was six. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I could recite the Lord's Prayer before I was seven. Vacation mm -hmm. Bible School taught me the model prayer for God to love the world. So I knew those things. I knew right. I wanted to be a minister. Uh, but I had church hurt at that age because people was telling me what I couldn't do. And I was blessed with this tenacious attitude. That if you tell me I can't do something, I'm going to prove you wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm going to prove you wrong. I ain't going to get the homeboy hookup. So growing up in ministry, it wasn't <laughs> until, wasn't until my, like, my middle teen, 15, 16, where we had church hurt. Uh, when one of the preferred kids was picking on my brother, and I remember my mother told me, uh, if it happens, I'm supposed to put my hands on somebody, and she'll deal with it later. So I did that, and the church mad and busted up. Didn't realize he was picking on my brother. So we left the church, and I made a, a statement. I said, man, I'm going to look, I'm going to go out, I'm going out, because y'all won't allow me to church. I'm going to go out the world, become the biggest drug dealer I can. And y'all going to be sorry, y'all let me go. And, you know, be careful what you say <laughs> out of your mouth because I was like right. bad. So, and that led to me running to some guys and they showed me how to fix stuff and how to cook up cocaine and stuff at a 15 year old. And I just started going for what I know. You know, mm -hmm. I, had a, I had the gift to attract people, but that was for the, you know, Satan will corrupt that thing that God meant for good. So I was out there attracting folks. Um, I went into the military, came home years later, I sold drugs throughout my high school years because my mom and them wasn't into the fashion. You know, they say, you go to school for education, not for fashion. But right. people don't understand that being a social outcast can destroy a person's psyche uh, and their per persona. So you can't go to school and try to be, a, you know, it's not like you're trying to be with the in crowd, but you don't want to go there as a misfit in the target of other children. So you know, right. I, was selling, I would walk out, my mother would shop, we would shop out at Epstein. You know, I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> you know, the mannequin had a, a plaid shirt and some, some jeans was called Uncle yeah. Charlie's. We went to Favor and what the Olympians when everybody wear Nikes and Adidas. So school, as soon as I got to school, I changed up out of that crap. And I know, that's Adidas. right. So, Trying to fit uh, in. <laughs> you don't know. I mean, at least look normal to people leaving right. you alone because kids are, you know, kids are cruel. And we, yeah. and we as adults got to understand. We can say whatever we want, but our children, we can't put targets on their back when you send them to school. So once I got out of school, I went to the military, came home with all these, yeah, I'm going I'm to I'm get this, this, and this. And then I ran into reality was, you know, there wasn't nothing. You know, I thought I would come home and get a great job. It didn't happen. Um, I was working a job selling vacuum cleaners door to door, making a lot of money for my boss. And uh, one of my best friends slept with my girlfriend heartbroken and I thought the boss was stuck up for me but he told me to get out of his office and it was a pivotal time in my life I was crushed I was broken on multiple things and I ran into an old drug dealer buddy of mine and he said man look, don't worry about that I can put five grand in your pocket every day if you come down and help me and I went down there I surveyed the land used my military knowledge to set up shop and we had 12 blocks running uh drug business and it was safe and we set up a system where we didn't do it in front of the, the, the neighbors when you know we made sure that nobody got evicted in those 12 blocks because we just we wanted wow. to make sure we knew who was in the neighborhood and it was funny because it was Bishop Eddie Long who became my spiritual father he told me already then God was setting you up a pastor you had 12 blocks where you made sure people had food people had air conditioning ice cream man had a tab for me every day because <laughs> no kid, I didn't want no mm -hmm. kid to feel left out. So if the ice cream man came through the neighborhood, he used to give everybody what they want and give me the tab. You know, mm -hmm. there was no home. People was hungry. They could run to the sub shop, come out, give me the tab. I would give a couple dollars to eat. 
And one of the wow. guys in the neighborhood was a deacon. He saw me and he came and sat beside me and had some peanuts. He was eating. He said, I see you out here every day. You know, you are a smart individual. God has more for you than this. And I was like, well, whatever. I ain't trying to hear about that. A couple mm-hmm. of weeks later, I, I OD'd and I heard my best friend of them say, if I die, we're going to throw him in the alley because we, we can't make the spot hot. Now, he didn't say I'm going to take him to the hospital and just drop him off or put him in the cab or call the ambulance. They was going to throw me in the alley and, you know, it broke my heart. And, and these were your friends. They were supposed friends. And um, Shut I up. heard that. And that's when I had my intimate contact with God, where God could choose you this day who you're going to serve. I said, God, if you get me through this, guaranteed, you ain't got to worry about it. So as soon as I came to, I went home, called my mama up. I only had one outfit that I could wear. I gave away all my drug stuff. I had one outfit. It was a purple pair of pants, a purple shirt, and a purple tie with purple Stacey Adams, you know. Come through I, purple. But here's the prophetic part, because when I went to the church that day, I gave my life to Christ, and the guest preacher said that that purple was prophetic of the position that God's going to elevate you in due season. Uh, and now I'm a bishop, and I love my purple. So, yes. <laughs> but, you know, but it was due to some trials and tribulations, even in the ministry game. And I'm going to be honest with you, it's hard, because I wasn't in the in crowd, and... I was shunned by even ministers, even going to ministry school. But, you know, I always tell people this. Don't stress to be part of the end crowd. God will lead you before great and mighty men. And there was a yeah. time of my, remember MySpace? I'm, I'm, I'm yes, myself. I do remember MySpace. I, I have dated MySpace. myself. <laughs> um, I met a, a gentleman on MySpace, and we would talk all the time. We were good friends. And I told him about, you know, I had you know been blackballed by some ministers in town because I wouldn't bow. Uh, what happened, we had a major minister with Bishop Noel Jones who came to town. And mm-hmm. preachers of that area, they told us we were the junior ministers. But again, remember, I'm out of the street. I'm working right. every day. I'm working at a clinic. I'm not selling drugs. I'm doing the right thing. They told us when we go to the restaurant to only order off the entree. But again, I still had this persona. That rebellion I in you, yeah. Yeah, it was rebellion because I was like, I don't like mm-hmm. need nobody to buy me nothing. If I, I, I worked all day. So I'm going to buy me a, get me a steak. I ordered my mm-hmm. steak dinner and I told him to get it a separate bill. One of the ministers in the city, he came over and told me I was hard headed, you know, stubborn, you ain't never going to make it. I said, number one, I, you're not going to talk to a grown man like that at 24 years old. Number two, I'm paying for my own way. I had a $100 bill going. And number mm-hmm. three, if this is what ministry is about, kissing high parts and all that stuff, it ain't for me. So I mm-hmm. shared that with my buddy on MySpace and he told me, well, come to Georgia. I got somebody I want you to meet. Now, remember, mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't know nothing about Georgia, never been. <laughs> I had the faith to ask my boss that I take one of the vans. I had that, that time, I was working at a car dealership. He said, go and take it, man. And I mm-hmm. drove through the night with my, my wife at that time and my best friend, or my, my minister. We drove through the night. I got to Georgia. And when I pulled up at Newburgh, I didn't know what, I'd never seen a church bigger than like maybe a, we pull up there. I'm in the parking lot. I went in there and said, hi, I'm here for the ordination. He said, ain't no ordination today. So I thought I was being punked or something. Um, I was, the guy came out. He grabbed me and took me into a room. He said, the church don't know. The bishop didn't want everybody to know. And I met uh, Bernice King. I met William Murphy. I met I met Darwin Hobbs. I met Byron Cage. All these guys. Hmm. And again, I'm not into the church thing, so I didn't know who they were. You just look like who y'all? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I knew Bernice King because of mm. you know her father, but the rest of them and Mother Cage and everything. So they brought us out in the middle of the service, and then Bishop Longer said the reason he did it that way because if he said he was doing some ordination, people wouldn't come. So he said that's normally. Oh, I'm not gonna come to that. I just want to come to church and get my word. So he did it in front of everybody. It ordained us, gave us our paperwork, and then he gave me like forty-eight hundred dollars to go back to Baltimore and say set up your ministry. And I'll cover you. And I'm like, this guy dude don't even know me. He gave me forty eight hundred dollars. I mean, I'm like, man, I was I, I was scared. I was really scared yeah. because he, you know, just something going on here. But man, yeah. he sold into our ministry, and we started off with a wing in the prayer. I hit the street, started giving out flyers. I started a basketball team, and I started getting the guys off the corner to play basketball with me. But one of the parameters was you got to go to Jesus Christ at least twice a month, and mm-hmm. we grew our church from. Three people to about 107 within 90 days. 
Yeah, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just preaching and teaching Bible study. At one time, my aunt hosted Bible study at our house, and we had every bit of 78 people in our house all over the place. And wow. I was just teaching the Bible in my own special way. And my wife said the day that a funeral we attended today that I've spoiled our people because they're so used of my style of preaching that when mm-hmm. they go to traditional places, they fall asleep. I, 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 I tend to preach using music, movies like the color purple illustrations it's yeah and we have fun it should be Mm -hmm. fun and my 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 sons love going to church i mean they love it and i only had to tell them they up for me with their clothes on dad you ready ready, ready? i guess we didn't force we never forced our children to go to church they go because they want to go i never forced Mm -hmm. my wife into a first lady's role it's her choice and what she want to do and i was the church no i married her you did and you're Mm -hmm. not going to force my wife to put that undue pressure on her in a nutshell, we got 19 minutes, and I give you my whole life story, except for the fact <laughs> I was divorced a couple of times. There's no books out there to tell a man how to get back on top when he falls. There is no book like that. I just poured into this book. It took me four years to write. The devil was in my computer because every time I tried to complete it, like the final four chapters, it kept erasing. So one Easter, I, one Holy Week, I said, after I preached the um, uh, seven last word, I stayed up for two days. I did not sleep for two days, and I finished that book. <laughs> wow. I put it out. And since I put it out, self-published, I've had publishing companies reach out mm-hmm. to me, trying to buy the rights from me. I've had this, and people say, you stupid, man. You should sell that book. And right now, uh, I'm just building on it. I'm about to start master classes for it helping people mm-hmm. with you break up, bad relationships, ending that cycle. Um, I, I just had to do it because I feel that's a calling. And me and my wife for the last, I say, 12 years have been doing marital counseling uh, with couples uh, and premarital counseling. And I have, a, um, I have a, a, um, a stat that I hate, but it's good. 78% mm-hmm. of the people that come to me and her for premarital counseling, why I'm not getting married. In my eight sessions, we dig deep. I, we dig deep. And I want to find out your real why you want to get married. And then once I add the Bible to it and we share our experiences, a lot of them say, well, maybe we're not ready for this because we take, <laughs> we take the glitz and glamour off of it. You know, yeah. one month one month after my wife or I was married, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. You know, mm. I, I don't have any biological children, so I found out right then that I would not have any biological children on this side of Zion. That's a stone. That's a stunt. I heard God whisper in my ear, help the women. So I organized a, um, just a women's empowerment session I call Detox, and we brought women mm. from all over the city together. And in that, in that instance, I saw in my spirit while sitting in the pool that a woman wanted to kill herself. She said, mm. if I leave this place, I'm going to go home and I'm going to die. I even saw that she left her children with her sister, and she said she was tired of going through. So I asked the people there, I said, all you beautiful ladies, and I had called up three of my favorite singers, and, and they sang, and they led praise and worship in a phenomenal time. I said, I need every lady in here to dig deep. It's not for me. I don't want but it's a need that God needs to meet you. We gathered up thousands of dollars and put it in a big manila envelope, and I, and I saw the woman in my spirit, and I said, you, come in. And I say, you plan on going home today and killing yourself because you lost your job, you you know, you stressed out, the man that left you, all that. And God says, you mm-hmm. shall live and not die. And we gave her the envelope full of money. She just passed out. She literally fainted. And she came to and said, I had planned this and this, this, and this. So out of that ceremony, um, young lady came to us and said, there's a child about to go into the system that I think you should Y'all, y'all, y'all that needs to be with you, which was at the time uh, we adopted the baby, took the baby home, but we didn't know that if we had, a, when we met, if we had started having sex, that he is the exact age. Wow. Look at God. Yeah. But I wouldn't have known that if I didn't, wasn't obedient to God and had that mm-hmm. service that helped. I was so focused on helping women, encouraging them. And then my wife went and had a mastectomy. Uh, that Monday after that Saturday, but out of that, hmm. it forced her to get well to go pick up our baby. We picked him up on Good Friday and mm-hmm. brought him home, and we've been, he's been with us ever since. Uh, a few years later, his 
biological family because we kept in contact with requested to have him come to a birthday party and they took him and they never brought him home so for four and a half months he was missing and uh I was trying to get help it was it was on Facebook a lot of people remember that I was reaching mm -hmm. out to people trying to help me find my baby boy and we had people in all over the DMV looking for my boy and uh, wow. I, I, I cried so much that I couldn't cry anymore my animals in my house were crying the son was crying I felt so helpless and then the Holy Ghost man I'm gonna tell y'all this is crazy he I said I remembered something in the spirit I woke up and I said my mom I said my wife I said do you remember the tag number of the people that you know took them and you said because she had been harassed by them because she had been to court to try to get an ex parte against them harassing mm -hmm. her and she remembered and we found them in DC and we was going through the thing where I don't care if you're a bishop apostle it don't matter the system is not um, created to help us uh we found out it was a civil matter so even though the court here said we had legal right to the baby that they wouldn't re they wouldn't reinforce it as a matter of fact almost got locked up in uh prince charles county because the sheriff told me to get out of his county or he was gonna lock me up so I was upset mm -hmm. so I was like yeah so i wrote a letter on my bishop letter here told the judge I, I you know everything i just laid it out look i'm not getting no help i don't have any faith in the system and he, mm -hmm. did, he sent out a thing saying, I want all of y'all in my court. And, we, and I, my son came home a few days before Thanksgiving. And for the matter of few months, we had the courts on our side, public on our side. We were able to adopt him a few months later. Because the attorney that I used for the adoption botched it, he didn't finish it. So uh, it was a blessing. You know, all things work out to those who love the Lord and keep yeah. his word. How did you come up with your title, uh, Grieve Easy, though? It's, a, it's an oxymoronic statement. It's, it's a, um, you're the grieve. And this is what we teach our boys. We tell our boys, stop crying. We tell people it's going to be okay. Or we tell yeah. them, if you really believe in God, you shouldn't be going through that. That's a lie. That's a lie. Because uh, you read the Bible, even God grieved. Christ mm -hmm. grieved. He said he was sad when he found out his buddy Lazarus was dying. I want you to grieve, but I don't want it to be to a point that it kills you. You know, experience it learn your lesson and because you're going to live through it it's not a the book wasn't written to tell you how to do it it's a why book and i share my experience i'm very candid as a matter of fact that's another book that caused me to fall out with a lot of ministers in my city because they say it was too graphic for a hmm. minister a man of god to write something that transparent this right here is going to make you look this way i could care less how i look you know uh it's intimacy. the truth yeah it's the truth it's true you yeah. know it was it's really and I, I said to the point uh i learned this from selling drugs before you get somebody addicted to your drug or get a new client you give them a test so what i did was i shared my first chapter when you go to the, to, to the website you can get the first chapter for free mm -hmm. everybody and i'm blessed that was anointed everybody who reads the first chapter buys the book people be reading the book and i was on a, a bus one day and a lady was reading my book, but I never told I was the author, although I'm on the cover. I want to, mm. and she was talking to the book. She said, I know that's right. Oh, go out. She was just talking. And then members of my church, when I first mm -hmm. had the book, I gave it to them. And they started reading and started talking to the book. And then people just started calling me from around the country, like, hey, and this mm. book is like, this book is old, really. You know, I released it in 95, but it's been in high rotation. Um, I, I, I re released it. And then I did it as an ebook. And my ebooks every month, people are buying the ebook. They are buying the ebook. But my, my coup de gras is I'm auditioning voice actors to do an audio book. I want an audio yes. book out there. Yeah, you should because, do that. And I love how you make sure you tell people that this is not a how to book. No. You know, I just list out my journey, I mm -hmm. give you a foundation. Every mm -hmm. chapter has questions at the end that only you can answer. And if you answer it honestly, you're going to get a foundation and some healing and deliverance. So, and what happens, I wrote the whole book and I let my English teacher read it. And he said, you know what would make this book perfect? I said, what? He said, questions at the end. So I put questions at the end as if it was a workbook for people to work out their own progress. And it started ministering to so many people. I can't say their names because of disclosure, but I had to. Right big name pastors reach out to me that were going through um all kinds of marital issues and they read my book they did the process 
they did their homework and they they, they testified. And I said, only if these guys would, you know, like, okay, let's endorse the book. I don't need you to tell everybody your business. Just endorse the book. <laughs> because I told my wife, I will not sell. God told me, do not sell the likes of this book. He said, mm-hmm. this is general. He said, this is generational wealth. And he said, just like I took you before great and mighty men, I'll do the same thing in due season. Now, due season ain't, ain't always tomorrow or the next week. So I started preparing myself before you reached out to me to do a master's class to help people. There are a lot of people that went through breakthroughs, breakups, and divorces. Yeah. Who you know, and there's no holistic services out there. You go to church, uh, you church, and they and they go through this thing where you know, boom, 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 boom. My thing is right now, I want to be your friend, and I've been counseling people for years, helping them go through those hard moments taking them chapter by chapter of my book as a lesson. And by the time we finish our 90 day cycle, man, those people are doing great. They're doing great. Are they fully whole? No, 90 days ain't going to heal your heart completely, but they have the tools and the practices in place for 90 days to get past that, so they can live and reinvent themselves. A lot of times when we have that breakup, we stop, we start, we stop living. I told them, get a new hairstyle. Mm-hmm. Bring that old car in, get rid of everything, you know. And I was just doing mm-hmm. this thing, and it became great. I mean, I mean, I love helping people rediscover life after a relationship because we mm-hmm. lose ourselves in relationships often, especially our women. Yeah. You guys are nurturers by nature. Yeah. And you, you and sometimes you, you we're so busy to quit to conform to make this man happy. And then all of a sudden you get tired of conforming. And now the man is like, what's wrong with you? And then that's when they start bumping heads. And that's where the trouble come in. And like I've told like people before, because I've been married before, and and a lot of it was it wasn't, I'm gonna say it wasn't all him or them, because I was married more than one. A lot of it was me because I was having problems with learning who I was. And then when I figured out who I was. Then God sent me somebody who will be compatible to my goofiness and let me be goofy and let me be serious or let me be weepy or girly or sensitive or tomboy or whatever mood I feel like being in. And it was okay. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's a blessing when you can be you with somebody else and they can be them with you and and y'all could be so opposite but it's okay or y'all could be alike and it's okay but y'all are good for each other it's a laugh. blessing huh I, 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 excuse me i want to make you laugh i want to make you laugh okay. my ex-wife went to see my now wife and told her if you want to know anything about them blah 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 i can tell you i had you know using the life lessons that i wrote down in the book that i live by i have become a diff- total different person and my wife says, you know, I'm, I'm I'm crazy at home. I'm not the bishop at home. I'm Matt. I'm crazy Matt. I wrestle with my, my kids on the sofa. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I, I chase the dog around the house. I'm mm-hmm. always joking and laughing. Uh, my wife goes in the kitchen. I, I go behind her playing around, smack on the butt and stuff like that. My kids <laughs> be laughing. You know, right. it's like our house is like a, a sitcom. And it's, if people can't, you know, and when people meet me and my wife, they're like, we can't believe 12 years y'all been together. And y'all still goofy. I said, because yes. I learned that book told me I can grieve. But then after you're grieving, you know, comes your secure victim. And, you know, I got the girl of my dreams. You know, I met my wife. I saw my wife on the bus in 1988. Oh, mm-hmm. she was the fine. She was fine. Boy, I got on the bus. <laughs> I had just finished smoking some marijuana, too. I got on the bus and I saw uh-huh. her and she said she couldn't talk to me. Uh, mm-hmm. I was like, why, why can't you talk to me? And you know, mm-hmm. she was like, you a bad boy. I said, all right, well, I'm gonna marry you one day. And I went to the mm-hmm. back of the bus and hung up with my buddy. 20 something years later, we met at my cousin's wedding. And I had just finished preaching at Pentecostal Assemblies of the World a Youth Conference. And we, mm-hmm. I, I saw her, she was behind my mother and father. With, and I said, oh my God, the Lord is my shepherd. I, you know what I want. I said, wait a minute, that girl looked familiar. She had a nice tan and everything. She was all buttery, mm-hmm. looking all good. I thought, ooh, Who a that? lot of the a lot of women in the church knew me because I was on television at the time. My ministry was on the cable. I have 
got a uh, 30 minutes on cable, so I was, my ministry was out there. So those women was mm-hmm. in there, and they was like, they was on me for like a cheap too. But uh, I didn't want none of but, them. I saw what reason, I yeah, they, was up, they was in it for the glamour and the, the fame and whatnot. Yeah, the buffoonery of it all. Go so ahead. I sat down beside her, and then all my aunts, I had like eight aunts, they all surrounded me. And then my mm-hmm. aunt and the one who trained me in ministry, she said, the spirit of God said, that's going to be your wife. I said, Aunt Anne, I don't even know that woman. She might be married right now. So all my aunts started liking <laughs> and everything. And then mm-hmm. we went to the reception. I gave her some candy. I didn't know her name was Candy. I said, you want some candy? She said, you know my name. But then, here's the crazy part. Mm-hmm. I know her whole family. Her uncle worked with me when I was a, a correction officer. Her brother and me had become real good friends because he was the manager of the game stop. Her aunt, because she was a school teacher for my cousin, my cousin's husband would go see her when she was working at the tax place. And then her other cousin was in the military with me. So I knew her family, but I never knew her. And her father mm-hmm. was a police officer, you know, and he chased me and my buddies off the corners and stuff. It's wild. So it's, it's, isn't that crazy? <laughs> Full circle. So, you know, when I got with her, uh, it was it was awesome, man. It was we've been through breast cancer. She had a brain tumor. Um, oh wow. We, you know, we've been through everything, but I wouldn't trade it all in for the world because it made us better. You know, she's my ride or die, and it's it's just been great. You know, when it comes to the relationship, man. I tell all y'all, y'all ain't see relationships. If y'all go with, if you be yourself and try to stop being with everybody else trying to make you, you'll enjoy your relationship. And Absolutely. That's what we did. You know, she's stop trying to be stuff. something that you're not. Exactly. Yeah. I like surprising her. I always like surprising her. Mm-hmm. I surprised her on Mother's Day with a brand new car. I snuck mm-hmm. around and bought a new wedding set. You know, I like surprising her. She like surprising me, you know, and we just like that. You know, we love yeah. one another. And the boys, my, my, my kids all love, oh my God, we, we, we all love. <laughs> That's not like me and my husband, because he'll come home from work and I'll be standing in the door and I'll just start dancing in the doorway. He'll be like, do you even care if they look? And I'm like, no, let them see what black love look like. <laughs> exactly. You know what? That's what, it, that's what it has to be. And you know, mm-hmm. and you say that, you know, you really, when we talked first, when you first connected, I started mm-hmm. really pulling out digging in the crates, pulling out my, my notes and stuff, because I said, you know what, God, you know, I want to be used and I don't want to be a normal preacher. You know, it, it, you know, I want to be able to sit down in a room full of people going through hell and still show them the light of heaven. You know, right. if you, if, you know, I mean, I can repay your relationship, but I can help you repair you. You know, the last chapter mm-hmm. of my book came from Jay-Z. It didn't come from a gospel song. It didn't come from a preaching. It came from Jay-Z and it's entitled, Come on now. Let Me Reintroduce Myself, My Name Is. And at the end, it's rediscovering who you are, yeah. the new you. And, yeah. you know, I, and I teach people to do the, 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 the do the homework, like uh, Ayanna Van Zandt said, do the homework, discover how you got here. I ask strategic questions that break people down and it really breaks you down to say, was I really in love or just infatuated? Was I, I will, the relationship was over a long time ago. I'm just holding on to it because I'm scared to try something new. You know, yeah. these are questions we have to ask. I'm know. comfortable. Why? I'm comfortable I'm in this and I'm scared to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I'm getting ready for a big relaunch. I'll let you know what's going on. We're going to do a mastermind session. I'm going to have hundreds of people on the Zoom session. We're going to get mm-hmm. down to dirty. We're going to create healing and wholeness throughout the land and celebrate black love you know i want to have a big conference somewhere at a resort where we can we can give out free you know free events they can come out and sit down and enjoy themselves and see black mm. love personified black love okay right real genuine this is not a uh, you know not this one but this ain't the cosby show this is uh, this one for real for more real. like martin more like Martin. More like Martin. Martin. Yeah, more like Martin love. Yeah. You know, because I, like I said, I, he just be looking at me like, you. he said, you just don't know when to turn it off, do you? I'll be like, nope. And I'll just start back up all over again. He- exactly. Exactly. <laughs> My wife says, you know, and she'll tell you, man, she's like, this guy is crazy. You know, mm. I can tell him, I said, he's not the bishop right now. He, he, my son's, you know, and it's funny, it helped with our blended family. 
uh, because, you know, it's weird. She said it's weird because me and her ex, the one she was dating when we met on the bus, it was it. Me and him, mm-hmm. were, we're good. We're good. We both got so many similarities. We both were in the car business and everything. So when we meet, we'll disappear, go off talking. And she like, it's, she said, it's weird to see your ex in your now pool. I said, because people have placed so much toxicity in exes and baby daddies that we can't I hate that term. I absolutely right. hate that term, baby daddy and baby mama. Yeah. I hate yeah. those two terms because it was like that wasn't your baby daddy when y'all was together, and that right. wasn't your so, baby mama when y'all was together. Exactly. That was my I blue. Said, that was my hun. And I'm like, no, that's my children's father, and uh, and, and right. I'm your children's mother. Don't don't give me that title. Don't do right. that. Right. So <laughs> we we're mature. You know, when yeah. my granddaughter yeah. was born, I don't have steps in my family. The only steps you got is the one down to the basement. And up the steps. I don't call children stepchildren me because either. that's a division between you and them. They are all my children. When your wife became me, you know, we had the um, we had the Esther um, vow thing. Your people mm-hmm. shall be my people. Your God mm-hmm. will be my God. When you lodge, I lodge. That's how we get mm-hmm. down. And okay. um, so those children are mine. You know, um, my daughter, she knows good and well. She ever needed anything, she got. You know, she's been blessed with multiple fathers. Who love her. My sons know, mm-hmm. you know, I don't care where they came from, they my boys. They are hundred percent my right. DNA. You can't hang around me and not become part of what I am. And, you know, I never told them to call me dad, but they do. And I, I really don't I don't have steps. They are all my children. Mm-hmm. Um sometimes sometimes I, I tell you my wife, I'm I'm a little possessive with my children because mm-hmm. they mine. I you know yeah. I, they mine and I will die for them, you know. And yeah. And I don't, Cause we're like a Brady Bunch family too, and I, and I, t- you know, my husband's children and his previous wife, she passed away. God rest her soul. Their children together are, you know, well, their families are my family, and vice versa. And I'm like, I will go to jail for any of y'all. Don't Hold think on. I won't. Don't think I won't. Don't and I and yeah. I'll be like Samuel Jackson. Yeah, I did it. <laughs> uh huh. I told him. And, I said the army didn't train me to be well. I didn't put nothing. <laughs> Listen, I uh, I told my kids, I said, y'all just don't know. Mommy ain't always been this. <laughs> Mommy was a little rough. She's like, oh, we know, we know you're a crazy person. I'm like, as long as y'all know. Right, <laughs> but, right. But Jesus redeemed me. But there's mm-hmm. still, but I, but you know, but I'm still a work in progress, Lord. People don't know who you are until they know that you really care about them. They don't know nothing about you. And what I do share is the reality of my life. There is mm-hmm. no trial or tribulation I didn't go through that I'm, a, I'm ashamed of. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, it, it was, you know, the Bible said it was good I was afflicted to see the salvation of the Lord. You know, all those things make me who I am today. It makes me appreciate my wife. It makes, you know, at the time when she was going through cancer, when she was through brain tumor, I had our little one. He was little at the time. I, he would go to work with me. I was finance manager at a car dealership. He's in mm-hmm. the swing, he's in the crib, and I'm working. Aww. I took care of him. I did all that. I made sure mm-hmm. our oldest son, you know, would go to school and he get his knees and he take his shower and get his homework. We did that. I did that to make I told her she said when she came home, she felt kind of bad because we had such a bond that she felt left out. I said, No, you're not left out, Tony. You still me. You get well and then you can assume these duties later. But while mm-hmm. you're getting well, you gotta manage what happened with this. And that you is. know. And anything ever happened to her, I told her, you know, we felt, I said, anything ever happened to you, I'm going to keep these babies together and we're going to make sure they're good. And you want to fight them. You, you're not going to take these children from me. So don't even worry about it. Just get well. And I mean That's that, right. you know, you know, I just mean that to the bottom of my heart. And because of that love for kids, you know, we started our football program, um, the Baltimore Football Academy Wolfpack. And it's not a knock on everybody, but. I just looked at football leagues and little leagues around the city. It's just, you know, it's not where I've seen our Caucasian brothers and sisters program. So I got together some like-minded businessmen and we created the Baltimore Football Academy. It's a mentorship mm-hmm. academy because we found out a lot of kids, a lot of our young men after football season would get in trouble. They were stealing cars, they were doing all kinds of stuff because they didn't have that supervision. So we created this program to be a 365-day-a-year program where weekly we get the kids and we do things with them off football. We use football as the droid mechanism and to teach, you know, community and teamwork, self-worth and self-discipline. But we mm-hmm. want to create a family with these kids 
not only for that, they get scholarships, we maintain their academics, we do a lot of things with our children um, to open them up to life just outside of Baltimore and all the horror stories they see um, on television. One of my biggest problems today is coaches. You know, I gotta get coaches that meet the vision because I don't need coaches who try to live vicariously through our children. Men, men mentors who are good role models who don't look at this, you know, a loss is just a loss, you know, but we want to keep these children focused in our community. I'm tired of everybody saying these kids are bad or this generation is bad and all that stuff. It's only bad because we sit back and point our fingers, you know, how do yeah. we turn our city around? Well, you give me a hundred kids and have them part of our program. I didn't ask people for money. I just trusted God. And um, we didn't have no money in our bank account. And right now we got equipment coming from Germany because a coach in Germany heard about us mm -hmm. with our board members and they're sending us equipment and stuff. But, you know, I want more kids to come out ages six through 13. I want more coaches to come out. If you coached before, you didn't. You know, we do background checks and everything. We just want to give back to our children in the community because they deserve it. I mean, yeah. they're the ones who deserve it. Yeah. You know, and one of the quotes that you have on your Facebook is uh, man creates his own conditions. Is that it. something that you push on these young men, young men in your group or on no. your team? Yes, I live by that. Um, people can say, well, life is this way because the white man did this and this is this. Men create their own conditions. If yeah. you buy into that, you become that. But I believe I'm bigger than what somebody else can do. If you won't yeah. hire me, I'll make up a job. You know, that's mm -hmm. how I look at everybody. If, if you yeah, they want to blame me, their color, their family history, the past relationships on what's going on in their present day. You, mm -hmm. if, if it's your present day, you're doing this. It has right. nothing to do with back then. This is you now. Right. That yeah. is my monitor. I want that yeah. on my tag, man creates his own conditions. Because again, a lot of the situations that I learned from or that which formed me was the conditions I created. Conditions mm -hmm. come from choices. It comes from choices. You have to choose the right way. You know, mm -hmm. choose what you're going to do. You got to, every choice you make has an impact. Therefore, you create the condition. If you right. want more money, if you want more money, the first thing is people, I also ask people, say, they say, well, I want more money. I said, so what do you supposed to do? Get another job? No. The first thing I need you to do is educate yourself on money. Mm -hmm. Learn how to budget. Learn how to do these things, credit. And then God says in his word that, you know, he will, if you're faithful over the few things, he'll make you rule over much more. In mm -hmm. order for you to be faithful, you have to have knowledge of it. Both of us, as soon as we got them stimulus checks, they want, they want the baby. Yeah. You know, I'm seeing people, and then you broke. You don't have life insurance. You don't have savings accounts. You're living on a wing and a prayer, and it's no Your longer. Your bills are still accepted. two months behind. <laughs> and if you die, guess what? Go find me going to bury you. No, it's, it's old. You yeah. spend your money, and you want to spend mine. And what happens is wealth is attracted to a wise person. Wealth is attracted to wisdom. You know, mm -hmm. wise people. You know who who's in moderation and self-discipline and things of that nature so i told people that's why i say man create your own condition you want more money educate yourself you know change your, change your lifestyle so i love it i just love it now what's next for you besides a lot because you already got a lot <laughs> but what else is going on with you what's next for you in the midst because i know y'all collaborating oh yeah this football thing has been taking a lot but I, my, what's next for me is to build a community-based ministry here in Baltimore, where our focus is on the people. I don't want you to do choir anniversary. I think we do so much in church that it irritates me as a preacher. The building fund. Oh my God! <laughs> the, you know how you want, You know that building fund been building even after we got the new church. We got a new building fund, and you know that's illegal, right? You know once you. No, once, I didn't know that. You didn't know that. It's illegal. No. Once you once you built the building and stuff, and you allocated the funds, you can't be trying like you never built the fund. You know, oh, people use that building gun. They use it as the budget fund. No, you it's only used as a fundraiser to get the building mm -hmm. to where it needs to be. And then that once you get it, it should go down to a zero. And to such time as you need to build another one. But I just want to build. You know, I have food co-op <laughs> programs and stuff, mm -hmm. and I just want to be a church that the doors are always open. I want mm -hmm. a warehouse attached to my church so we can put clothes, food, 
uh, baby formula, everything that's needed in the house by the people that they can come by and get it. If a house burns down, my ministers are dispatched to you. They can go in our warehouse and get everything you need. That's what I want to be known for. You know, we yeah. send all this stuff to Africa and God bless those people. They need it. But what about the urban ministries we have here where we have homeless people under bridges and stuff like that? Just I want to be that. Yeah. 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 So right. I want that's that's what's next for me. Uh, my new ministry uh, that God gave me is called Rock Nation Ministries, and it's and it's, it's like a, it's like an acronym. Rock is Revelation of Christ's Kingdom. Uh, okay. Rock Nation Rock Nation Ministries. But um, at this present time, while things are being put together, we are assisting my mom's church in recovering from COVID. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm there until such a time that God called me forward, but. You know, I'm just happy to be utilized. You know, I'm trying to give back. Now, where can people find you? They can find me on Facebook or Instagram. You can type in Bishop Matthew Bradby. You can Google you them. In, I did. You can Google me. Yeah, I'm all over the place <laughs> on Google. I'm on YouTube. I'm on. I've been. I've been. I, I didn't know until I Googled myself. It's. It's not a. It, the realest experience when I Google myself. Say, good God, I got everything on there. I scared you know, myself. I said, oh, if I'm trying to hide, they're going to find me, Jesus. Yeah, that's why I thought I said, you know, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter. You can find me all over. You, can, you know, my, my, my hashtag is hashtag BMED2. You can find mm -hmm. me there or just type in Matthew Bradby. You can find me anywhere on there. You can talk to Google and say my name and I'll pop up. Uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, you know, and I say again, what's, what's next, we're going to do this baskets class for real. Uh, okay. easy. Let me know. Easy. I would love and, to share it on my page and oh, stuff. Yeah, Let me know. Yeah, because yeah. we got, so, I mean, everybody know at least two or three people that's going through divorce or breakup. You know, we're 56% of the marriages in divorce right now. I believe that I want to do two things. I want to heal those who broke it and stop it before it starts. Uh, yeah. If we can teach people holistically what to look for in the mate and how to go about the dating. We don't know about dating. We don't know about courtship. We don't know what to look for in a spouse besides a big booty and a smile for a man. He got to have a job, girl. He got to, you know. Nice car. Nice car. Yeah. That don't mean nothing. You know, um, mm -hmm. you need to learn what to look for in a mate. And each individual person, you know, I give tests out. I have a spiritual gifts assessment test. I also mm. give out personality tests to people. So you can find out what type of personality you are you when you come up on the spectrum. You know what to look for. You know, two type A's ain't gonna work out. Two bossy people ain't gonna work out because y'all wanna fight no. all the time. You know, yeah. it has to be that even kill. Um and we just need to know ourselves. So it's a it's some testing I put people through and then some 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 coaching, some counseling. And then I'm blessed to say in my 28 years of ministry, only two divorces in all the marriages I've done. So that's, that's all right. right. And you know what? I love the fact that you're not just talking to marriages that break up, but couples that break up. Because I think everybody forget that there are couples who are in, I don't care if it's six months or six years, and they break up. It's, it's traumatizing to them. And everybody's all like, well, you'll be all right. That just wasn't your husband or that just wasn't your wife. Move on. It's not, they heart still got broken. And in church, I don't allow one spouse to pull me up to talk about the next one. Like I had a woman come and say, Pastor, I'm going through, I want to talk to you. I said, no problem. We'll schedule an appointment and bring mm -hmm. your spouse. And I want more men to, I've, I've attract more men to my ministry than women. You know, I don't know why it happens, but. I give honor and respect to our men. I don't talk to a man's woman by without him. I feel this is it's a, it's a, it's a sacredness. And if you're married to this woman, I don't, as a man or even as a pastor, have the right to superimpose myself just because she's one of my teeth. You need to be present when I talk to your woman. And I make sure my wife is mm -hmm. there well to help. She helps with interpretations too. And it normally calms people down too when they start seeing my wife and she starts explaining. You know, we don't teach this stuff. We live this stuff. And then the men's right. like, well, how, how, why, you know, why can I come to the church? So I'm, I'm, I'm readily available for our men as well and our boys. Last question. Here we go. Um, if you can have any song, which I think I know the answer to this, but if you can have any song be your theme song when you walk into a room, what would it be and why? 
made the work I've done speak for me. Oh, you know, yeah, oh. yeah. Okay, you surprised me because I thought you was gonna say, um, uh, who Jay Z? <laughs> oh, yeah, that would not made a work I've done. I say, you know, when I see, I, I battle it, it's so many great, you know, songs. You know, when I'm dressed from toe to head to toe, I'm a classic man. We playing, mm-hmm. you know, I'm oh, a classic okay. man. You know, I walk yeah. in, I'll be looking fresh. You walk in but sideways, then, I get it. Oh, my, so I boy, we, I'll be walking there, I'll be doing the baby dance. I walk on that joint, like. But if anything, I say really that song will be made of work I've done speak for me, not Mm -hmm. after my death, because we always think about after death. I want the the legacy songs to be sang now, uh, because I want you to look at my life. You know how to get the the achievement wars, the puffy in them when they're alive. That's Mm -hmm. what I want to see. I want to see the school that we built, my Christian Academy, built now. It's, you got, you know, we have ROTC, we have a trade setup. I want to see that now while I'm alive yeah. and yeah. see it produce good Christian boys and girls in every marketplace arena. So maybe the work I've done would be good. Um, there's so many songs that could play uh, from the hip hop or neo mm-hmm. soul or R&B, but mm-hmm. in a nutshell, yeah, that would be my theme song right now. This was such a joy and yes, such an honor. I, I I hope that I can have you back yeah. one day soon. Yeah. Okay. And if you got anything, I'll be more than happy to jump on board. Oh my goodness. See, you might have started me and my wife podcasting. We just started a podcast <laughs> a little while ago. It was called The Brappies mm-hmm. and we was talking about marriage and and we had a couple episodes. We actually have a couple episodes on YouTube. But uh okay. we're gonna get back to that because we share a couple stuff and we goofy and we laugh and everybody laughs at us. Uh, I think mm-hmm. we need to start that again because it was really hit, you know. I think back. y'all should. Okay. Because y'all got you a story to tell. Y'all got oh, a story I... to tell, for sure. Yeah. All right, thank you. <laughs> Take care. Thank you so much for tuning in to Worldly Church Girl. And if you haven't already, hit that subscription button. You don't want to miss another episode. And did you know Worldly Church Girl has gone live? That's right. Worldly Church Girl has gone live live you can catch episodes just like this on youtube facebook even linkedin for more information go to www.worldlychurchgirl.com to find out more and as always thanks for joining your one and only worldly church girl